It's rainy outside, so don't feel bad about staying inside all day. That's pretty nice. Man, there's nothing better. I don't know if you do this, but I love putting on chill jazz on a rainy day. Just like oh. cool, like piano jazz. Not the, the crazy like fusion shit. Just like uh-huh. chill piano jazz on a rainy day. Read a book. Ugh, the best. Welcome to episode 382 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how are you doing? Hanging in. Hanging in there, Marshall. Same answer every time. I think I I, I might need to change it up, though, because I think it's hesitantly optimistic to say that now it is safe to say you're doing well, you know, Mm -hmm. if someone asks Mm -hmm. you how it's going. I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll switch it up. But for now, hanging in there. How about you? Fine or great. (laughs) (laughs) well fine means horrible great means okay so that's true okay yeah i'm great i'm great okay (laughs) things are good wonderful well let's get right into it we have some new very important pixels to shout out today thank you so much to our new supporters shout out to sherry kevin fernandez veronica jefferson brian morellis john brady jade tucky or jade tukey i'm so sorry and kathy guarino and last but not least, shout out to Will. You know, Brian, where there's a will, there's a way. And where there's a will, there's a very important pixel. Hey, there you go. So thanks so much, Will, and everybody else for supporting the show. Yeah, thanks, everybody. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, hey. which means that listeners like you make it possible every week for us to record. You help us pay for all of the software we use mm-hmm. for recording, editing, publishing, hosting, keeping that website up and running, uh-huh. uh, but also just helping keep the show going and, and uh, building a little community of folks who are enjoying our supporter-only segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. So if you've been enjoying the show and want to support us, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details, and then you will have access to The Sidebar. Again, it's a listener-supported segment of the show, basically like a second half of the episode. Uh, We always share some cool tips and tricks or answer a bonus listener question. For example, this week, Marshall does a huge deep dive into the power of modifier keys in Figma. So if you want to step up your Figma game, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. You'll get access to the whole backlog of sidebars as well as full episodes of design details going forward. So... Thanks to everyone who supported us this week, and uh, thank you to everyone who who hears this and decides this is the week to get on board it's that the one, Patreon right? train. This is, this the, is one. the one. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Figma modifier keys really hooked them on this one. It's time, yeah. Cool. Thanks, everybody, for, for supporting this week and for everybody who has been supporting us for a long time. We appreciate all of you. Thank you. All right, we have a little bit of follow-up. First follow-up, I just want to let everyone know. Uh, We accept listener questions on our GitHub repo, github.com slash design details, but I have just declared issue bankruptcy and (laughs) closed them all. We had a lot of issues that they were fine questions. We just never got around to asking them. And at this point, they're like a year old. And so I closed every issue. We're just going to start with a clean slate. If you had asked a question and it didn't get answered, feel free to re-ask it. Maybe now is a better time. And if you have never asked a question before but want to ask a question, can't think of a better time than putting it on the clean slate. So it's yeah. at github.com slash design details slash design details. Both of them. 
Yeah, you'll have maximum visibility at this point because it is literally empty. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, we also have a little follow-up. We have a tweet from Divya Talk. Uh, Divya says, this is related to our last episode, Marshall. We were talking about scope creep, right? Yep. yep, yep, yep. Divya says, isn't the philosophy of just shipping but not focusing on details is what leads into lazy products, which are feature-clustered but soulless? In my experience, we can't expect to focus on just utility and make products that people love. People use spoons every day, but I don't think most people have a favorite spoon. But they do have favorite books and stories. An animation alone might not change metrics on a screen, but it's the kind of thing which is much stronger when done across a product. So I think this is a good point, because last week we basically talked about like just accepting smaller and smaller scopes, saying no to more things. Mm-hmm. I don't think that these two things are mutually exclusive. It's just a matter of saying yes to certain things and saying no to certain things. Like if your team really values soul and character and personality and delight, then you should be saying yes to things like animations and great iconography and and gradients. I don't know, like whatever these flourishes are that in your specific case might add a little soul to the app. Yeah, they might be in scope. Yeah, I think it just depends. Like certain apps are more utilitarian. Like this stuff isn't actually a priority. And in some cases it is. Like you could imagine the difference between like Instagram stories versus the settings app. Mm-hmm. Like the settings app isn't necessarily delightful, but it's straight to the point. Um, well, that's what it needs to do. <laughs> it has a lot of shit in it now. Yeah, that's know. true. It is a big <laughs> Maybe they should have said no to more things too. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you mean. Yeah, and and I think an aspect of this too is like maybe your product, the the thing it does is finite enough that there's plenty of room for those animations and for those extra bits of of whimsy, you know, and delightfulness, like. If the app is sufficiently simple, you kind of need those those flares to to help it feel more fun or, or less like a single screen app. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think of like VPN apps or something like that. Like, there's really not much to it. It's just a switch for the most part. Mm-hmm. So having yeah. really nice animations that you know show the difference between active and inactive states and like responding to you flipping that switch on. Uh, can be really delightful and make it feel like, oh, I want to keep this thing on. Where it's there's really not a whole lot happening behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, not mutually exclusive, but it's a good point. Like if you want your app to have soul, prioritize that. Yep. Good feedback, Divya. Thank you. Thank you, Divya. Okay, main topic time. All right, Marshall. This one. Let's see where this takes us. This was right before I closed all of the issues on on our GitHub. But we have a question from user Flying Juggernaut, mm-hmm. who asks for our thoughts on designing for fidgetal and omni-channel experiences. Where in this case, uh-huh. fidgetal is referring to a product experience that is both physical and digital, or at least blends between the two. Yeah, it's a portmanteau. Physical plus digital equals fidgetal. Flying Juggernaut continues. Digital platforms are there to enhance our activities in the physical world, but more often than not, we UX designers think about the user journey as it starts and ends in the digital world. Users, on the other hand, don't necessarily differentiate between digital and physical and think of a company as one channel. This causes a lot of issues that can impact the health of humans or affect the environment in a bad way. Any thoughts on how to design for these digital and omni-channel experiences? Which companies do you think do it the best? 
So I, I read this question. The word fidgetal threw me off. I thought uh-huh. it was a typo. Then I realized it wasn't a typo. Uh-huh. Yeah, we got there. It reminded me of a problem that I've been thinking a lot about at work just because it's something that I'm in the weeds on day to day, which is this idea that it's so easy to get lost in your own product pillar. So for example, I work on the mobile apps at GitHub and it's so easy to get lost in designing GitHub for mobile. Mm-hmm. But of course, our customers don't see GitHub. They, they don't think of it as GitHub for mobile and GitHub for web. It's mm-hmm. just GitHub, right? Mm-hmm. And within GitHub, there are features like issues and notifications and pull requests and all this kind of stuff. And I think the ability or, or this, this trap of getting your mind so focused on your one product pillar results in you know the saying of shipping the org chart. Like when you look through a product, it's really easy to see the dividing lines between teams, right? Like, oh yeah, Facebook I th- think is a good example of this. Although their most recent redesign kind of improved it, but it used to be that groups looked different from profile, looked different from notifications, looked different from pages, looked different from everything else, like mm-hmm. all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like every view, you're like, oh, oh, events. That was the other one. All these things look like they were designed by different teams. The information architecture is different. Navigation patterns are different. The feed looks different. And they had to go back through and do this whole redesign. Well, you know why they look like they were designed by different teams, Brian? Because they were designed by different teams. Because they were. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That's the default. So I think that this is, uh, I go back and forth on if this is a good thing. Because the bad part, obviously, is... For users who are navigating between multiple products like events or groups and profile in a single session, they might notice those inconsistencies and have to think about where to get to a certain setting screen or or how to interact with a certain piece of content. Like Those might differ between surfaces. That's yep. the bad part. The good part, this is much more selfish and maybe less user-facing, is each of those teams has more leeway to innovate, to try new things, to perhaps push the overall experience forward by inventing a new pattern that doesn't exist somewhere else. I'm not here saying that design systems are a prison and they are not able to be expanded, but you could certainly imagine a a scenario where, again, I'll just keep leaning on the Facebook example here, like now they have this consistent navigation structure, headers all look the same, the feeds are all pretty much the same, now, if someone comes along and has an idea for a new product, they're trying to bend that product into this existing infrastructure or this existing layout. Mm-hmm. And they might not have as much leeway or they're going to have to go through a lot more meetings and conversation and process work to escape that boundary of that layout. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Oh, yeah, totally. I don't know if, which is the best one. Like, Certainly, I think... The first one might be more user-friendly in the short term and the other one might be more user-friendly in the long term because you're able to innovate and, and make something better that's better than the status quo. Yeah, hopefully your system allows for flexibility for those kind of edge cases. For You, know, you want to solve the problem, not fit into a box <laughs> necessarily. Like mm-hmm. If you can solve the problem while fitting into a box, all the better. But like the more important thing is to solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, one of the parts of the question here was about how lack of differentiation between digital and physical can cause issues that impact health or the environment. I'm not entirely sure what they're getting at here, Brian. Do you know what they mean? 
Um, all I could think is if that sort of shipping the org chart means processes are less efficient or people make more mistakes, that could be a real problem. But no, it's not. I'm not sure exactly about the environment one. So maybe Flying Juggernaut, if you hear this, <laughs> follow up with a comment in the issue because I'm not sure what the environment part means. Well, without that clarity, I think we can maybe move on to like the, the last part here, which is how would you go about designing for a product that sort of weaves between a physical experience and, and a digital experience? Yeah. And given that I don't think either of us do, maybe we can think about companies or, or other products that are doing this well and in, in our experience with those. Well, the first place my mind went to was expectations for usage duration, um, depending on the device. So I remember when the iPhone came out and they opened up apps to third parties, some of the guidance was along the lines of, assume people will only be using your app for a minute or so. Um, They're going to jump in, they're going to get done what they need to do, and they're going to hop out to somebody else's app to do something else that they need to do, right? Like, they're not going to spend all day in your app, so make things quick, assume they'll only be in there for a minute. Then when the watch came out, that duration shrank dramatically to seconds, right? It's like, assume people will see your notification for your app for a couple seconds, and either they'll act on it and do something on their phone, probably, or they'll just let it go by. So make sure that the information you show is immediately digestible. Um, yep. That's kind of where my brain went first of like this physical meeting digital, like understanding the the constraints of the physical when you present the digital. I feel like even the watch is a good example where you didn't even have to look down at it anymore. I think the, the maps example was cool. Although mm. to be honest, I haven't memorized the, the buzz patterns, but if you have maps set to give you directions somewhere, your watch will sort of buzz mm-hmm. in a certain pattern if it wants you to turn left coming up or turn right coming up. Left is slow, right is fast. So left is bip, 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 bip. Right is I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always forget that. But I, I like that example of they're trying to keep your eyes up, right? Yeah. Or it's even cool when you're walking around. I don't trust it driving because I don't trust distances well. Like mm-hmm. I don't... I don't know that it's predicting the distance correctly. Yeah, yeah. Assumes you're further back on the block than you are and you might miss yeah. a turn or something. Yeah. yeah, I prefer to have the screen. But for walking, it's kind of nice because you have more time and like more flexibility to course correct, right? Yeah. Like if you miss the thing, it's just like, okay, well, turn around and take a couple steps. <laughs> Look like an idiot for a couple seconds. Hopefully nobody yeah. saw that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like another place that this is done well as in like exercise apps, like fitness stuff, especially like the new Apple Fitness Plus or like Peloton where they have digital service combined with physical either products or physical action, you know? Well, there's also, you know, this huge surge with COVID of sort of connected workout hardware. Like you have Peloton, which is the bike, and then there's connected rowing machines. And basically it's all about just putting a screen and a trainer and doing some like data collection and gamification of the workout experience is my very surface level understanding of those because I've not used them. But that also feels relevant here, right? Like in this exercise category, like Apple Fitness is kind of all digital in, in the experience, but the Peloton and the whatever the rowing machine one, and there's the mirror one and there's tonal, yep. like all of these things are a little bit more tangible in terms of the relationship between the software and the hardware. 
So outside of exercise, I think a few other examples came to mind of, of companies that do this well. We mentioned Amazon just because every time you buy something on Amazon, you're getting the package. I like that they have that option now to combine into to one box. Mm-hmm. Although for me, for me, every time they do these kinds of things, it does feel in tension with the value of Amazon Prime. Like, well, I'm paying Prime for fast shipping, but now I'm opting into slower shipping. So do I need Prime? <laughs> you know? Yep. But now they're actually making good shows on Amazon Prime Video. I can't remember the names of things. Yeah. Prime Video. Prime Video, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pay for Prime Video, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm sure I'm not a big clothes shopper, but I'm sure there's lots of other shopping category things here. But one for me is Starbucks. Like I think Starbucks app is actually one of the best designed apps. It's pretty mm-hmm. good the last time I used it. But basically the whole opening experience of the app is like scan a QR code and, and show your balance really quick, right? Like you preload a few dollars and when, yep. when you're standing in line at Starbucks, you just scan it. And I think Whole Foods has this as well. Like there's a Whole Foods app and when you open it, I think it defaults to that scanning experience for when you're at a Whole Foods, you can get the whatever Amazon Prime discounts. Oh, nice. I haven't been to a grocery store in a year or probably oh. longer. <laughs> yeah. It's a wild, wild world out there, man. <laughs> Another example or category would be audio products. Um, the two that came to mind for me here that I think bridge this gap pretty well are Sonos. Yep. So Sonos, you obviously have the hardware speakers, but it's all controlled by software on your phone or mm-hmm. on your computer. And the software for me leaves a lot to be desired, which kind of sucks because the connected hardware experience is actually great. Mm-hmm. I like having these speakers just sprinkled throughout the house and mm-hmm. being able to group them and and have different rooms playing different things or having the whole house play one thing and as you navigate around walking from the kitchen to the bedroom everything is in sync like that is pretty magical oh yeah some of the software on the mac side leaves a little bit to be desired on the mobile side it's okay i didn't even know there was a mac app i only use the mobile it's gotten better yeah yeah mobile mobile's better i think the mac one there's just some annoying things where i mean we could do a whole app breakdown of this it's just really hard to navigate like you're just drilling through menu, menu, menu to get to songs and artists and playlists and stuff. Hmm. So that could be a little smoother. Another example in the audio category is AirPods. I feel like AirPods really nailed this real world impact on a digital but also physical experience with things like transparency mode. Mm-hmm. So you can press and hold on one of the little stems and all of a sudden it lets in the sound from the outside world so you can mm-hmm. hear what's going on around you. Love it. That You can also just take one out of your ear and it will pause your music. And when you mm-hmm. put it back in, it will start playing your music again. Mm-hmm. That is pretty magical. Yep. There's the new spatial audio feature on the AirPods Pro and AirPods Max mm-hmm. where the AirPods, if you're on an iPad or phone, it knows its relationship in space to that device. So as you move your head or as you move the device, the sound is coming from a consistent point in space and not the same or, or not not different. Or how would you, <laughs> shit, yeah. how do you describe spatial audio? No, I think it's like a, a, a point in space and your head is moving around that point in space. Yeah, it knows where the screen is and it makes it sound like the sound is coming from the screen. I can't wait for this on Apple TV. I'll probably have to buy a new Apple TV with a different chip in it or whatever so that it'll work. But I I have a feeling that this has to be coming to Apple TV soon. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to know. How will they know? How will they know what? Your relationship, like where you are in relationship to the thing. Because it's not handheld. The Apple TV is just 
sitting somewhere in the room, right? Well, yeah, I think that's why we need new hardware because it's going to need an accelerometer or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, I have no idea how it works, but my assumption is they're talking to each other and there's some sort of radar effect of like knowing, like a triangulation of figuring out where those points are in physical space based on a call and response duration. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, then I don't see a reason why it couldn't exist in Apple TV. Yeah, I don't know. We'll get there. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. The last category that came to mind for me, I'm trying to think of like a really crisp example here, but there's got to be something in the medical field because doctor's visits and and describing conditions and symptoms and like indicating positions on a body where you're experiencing pain. Mm -hmm. I use one medical and one medical has a pretty tightly integrated physical and digital experience where you book appointments through your phone app and then they have like locations when, when you show up, it has your profile and it's all pretty seamlessly tied through. You can chat uh, with the doctor, chat with the doctor ahead of time, prescriptions, yeah. see all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So medical audio shopping exercise maps and navigation. Those are five chunky categories of, of things where I think we're getting into this fidgetal <laughs> experience <laughs> design. Yeah. Maybe we're, yeah, let us know what we're missing, everyone who's listening. I'm sure there's other really great examples that just weren't top of mind. Yeah, I mean, coming back to the whole thing of the the company, like the omni-channel of the company, both IRL and in digital form, you know, this is true of some companies, but but a lot of the large companies, I think, that at least come to mind at first, have no physical representation, right? Like we mentioned Facebook and you know, Twitter, hell, YouTube, um, GitHub even, like these are purely digital companies and they don't have any physical form other than like an office or something for the people to work. But um, in these other realms, yeah, I, th- I think if you're working on a project with that has digital aspects, you have to consider the company's impression as a whole, not just, you know, the slice that you work on or the slice that you expect customers to see. The whole thing has to be consistent. And one part falling down can make the whole thing fall down. It makes me think of um, Cyberpunk 2077. It's a game that came Mm. out recently, which is Mm -hmm. uh, long-awaited, super hyped. Uh, Everybody really wanted it to be awesome. And then it came out, and it was buggy. And it's a huge disappointment because the models were were gorgeous. Like the, the city was amazing, the lighting and the animation and the story, like all the all the background characters and everything. Like the world was really well built, but it's buggy. It's buggy yeah. and it breaks and sometimes and that one thing undoes all the good work of all the other teams, or at least in the minds of the users. Like this game is shit, unplayable, despite the fact that like that literally thousands of people put literally hundreds of thousands of hours into making this thing as beautiful and not broken as it is. It's just those few broken things can, you know, uh, uh, what's, what do they say? A few bad apples can spoil the bunch, something Uh like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A few bad bugs can ruin your star rating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good example. It's hard designing cross platform like not even cross platform but like god yeah getting into digital and physical space uh that's it's really challenging so mm-hmm. well let us know uh, if we're missing anything and uh if you have any other suggestions that fit into this uh, i'm curious to hear what y'all think all right let's get into cool things and get out of here all right we'll go quick you got one my cool thing this week is not 
a normal category of cool things for me, Marshall. I'm going to share a video game this week. Hey, I feel like this it. is your your wheelhouse, but this yeah. week I'll do it. Hey, man. The, oh, how the turns table. Uh-huh. Uh, so this week, or I should say this weekend, I started playing a game called Hades, which... Yeah apparently has been around for a while and apparently people have been talking about it, and apparently everyone loves it and is totally mm-hmm. amazed by it and i had just lived under a rock apparently <laughs> because i wasn't aware of this game i feel like i'd seen people tweet screenshots of it but the screenshots that they were tweeting were of the final like after you win there's this sort of final overview screen mm. and so i was seeing screenshots of that overview screen and it didn't pique my interest at all Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like a card game or just something really boring. It's like, oh, you're collecting boons and stuff. I was like, ah, that seems kind of boring. Uh-huh. Well, finally, uh, I follow Jane on YouTube. He's like normally an Overwatch person, right? Oh, Jane, J A Y N E. Yeah, Jane, yeah. Jane, yeah, yeah. Mostly streams Overwatch stuff. Mm-hmm. But he shared a video of him doing kind of like a Hades first impressions or Hades fresh file run or something like that. Okay. And I watched him describe Hades. He says, you know, this is the most beautiful game. It should have won a game of the year. The story is incredible. Everything is incredible. I'm like, fuck. Like, okay, Jane is talking it up. So I look it up. It's twenty five dollars. I'm like, okay, well, this is a pretty low barrier to entry. Uh-huh. Uh, picked it up on Switch, and boy, oh boy, have I lost my weekend to this game. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, everything that I have just uh, articulated that that Jane said. It is beautiful. The story is compelling and interesting and fun and clever and quirky. The character design, the the artwork, the cutscenes, the different worlds you navigate through, the game mechanics. The, the voice acting is really good too, right? Voice acting, skill progression. Oh my God, like I could just go on and on and on. It's a really impressive creation and I've had a hell of a fun time this weekend sitting on the couch playing Hades. So uh, what is it? You are the son of Hades mm-hmm. and you are trying to escape hell. <laughs> basically there you go that, that's pretty straightforward it's, yeah yeah it's a roguelike um made from the creators of bastion and transistor right yeah so i recommend it if you're in the market for a new game pick it up and if you're already into it uh, i would recommend or even if you're thinking about playing it check out the no clip series on youtube they did a whole behind the scenes like in the office documenting the development of the game which is also incredibly fun to watch if even if you're not into playing the game, like it's just cool to see the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, I've got all these links queued up that you told me for for after we finish recording. There's there's that, and then there's also the IGN developers react to a fresh file speed run. Yeah, that's a whole series too of developers reacting to speed runs of their games and just <laughs> watching them be like, I didn't know you could break it that way. It's pretty fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my cool thing is pretty straightforward. Um, I actually saw it recommended on Daring Fireball. It's it's just a little like Safari extension called Hush that you know those when you go to like a, a news site or something or basically any site now, by law they have to say, Hey, we're you know, cookies and stuff, and do you want to say okay? And you have to <laughs> cookies hunt. and stuff. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, they all say it different, but like basically we're tracking your cookies and, and blah blah blah, and then you have to hunt and find the X or you have to agree or whatever, and it's a pain in the ass and it happens every time you go to the site. This yep. thing gets rid of that. It kills that thing. It hushes it, Brian. Um, it's for Mac and iOS. And basically, yeah, it's just a, you go into settings, Safari, and content blockers, I think. and or, or on Safari and Mac, it's just like an extension that you flip the switch on. 
and it turns those things off. It's not something that you'll notice, but it's something that you'll notice if you turn off. <laughs> you know, if you if you uh, get rid of it, you'll immediately be like, oh, yeah, all these fucking cookie pop-ups. Sure. Yeah, I have these installed. I'll see if I even notice it. It feels like one of those things where you won't notice it if it's working well, right? Yep. Like, you download it, and you will for- immediately forget that you downloaded it, hopefully, because mm-hmm. you will never see the thing that it's supposed to be preventing, so... Yeah, it's 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 basically foley, right? Like I have a huge appreciation for any craft that well done goes unnoticed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. F- foley meaning um, sound effects in movies that are, yeah. that are generated on a sound stage by a person rather than being recorded live on set. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, big big appreciation for anything that makes my life easier transparently. So yeah, hush, check it out. It's free. It's free. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it. This has been episode three hundred and eighty-two of design details we hope you enjoyed it let us know what you thought we're on twitter as always design details fm hit us up in the mentions in the dms if you have a question for us you can ask us on github github.com slash design details if you enjoyed the episode and you want to consider supporting the show you can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details for just a dollar a month you get access to a new supporter only segment of the show called the sidebar this week we talked about modifier keys in Figma and all of the power therein that you shall unlock if used correctly. So if you want to learn about modifier keys in Figma or just get access to all of our past sidebars and future sidebars going forward, things like bonus listener questions or extra cool things, all design related, you can do that by supporting us at patreon.com slash design details. That's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. portmanteau physical plus digital equals fidgetal do you have a fidgetal spinner brain i just hate this i hate it looks like a typo oh yeah it looks like a a biological term like i'm sorry sir you have a terrible case of fidgetitis